0: On this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: These are folks that are pretty hard-boiled business people. Women and men who make tough decisions, and so if they didn't feel this way, they wouldn't say it.
0: Iowa is still adjusting and reopening, but business leaders say they're optimistic. We'll have details. An Opportunities Awareness Program for college-level individuals is going virtual next month, and you'll learn about a business that is the fastest in the country. THIS IS THE IOWA BUSINESS REPORT FOR THE FIRST WEEKEND OF JULY, 2020.
2: THE IOWA BUSINESS REPORT IS PRESENTED WITH SUPPORT FROM THE IOWA ASSOCIATION OF BUSINESS AND INDUSTRY. THE IOWA ASSOCIATION OF BUSINESS AND INDUSTRY HAS BEEN THE VOICE OF IOWA BUSINESS SINCE 1903. LEARN MORE ONLINE AT iowaabi.org. HERE IS JEFF STEIN.
0: The Iowa Association of Business and Industry annually hosts its Taking Care of Business Conference in early June. It's a wonderful engagement and networking opportunity for the more than 600 who attend. But like so many events in the COVID-19 era, the 2020 ABI conference was canceled. I connected recently via Zoom with the president of Iowa ABI, Mike Ralston, to talk about how the group connected with its members... Without an in-person conference, and to find out the mood of ABI members as the third quarter begins.
1: Well, Jeff, you're right. We had to cancel our 117th annual meeting, and that wasn't done lightly. But it was the right decision to make. But we we did still want to make sure we touched members in some way, not only to uh, make sure they had the information they needed to take care of their employees and their business, but also to hear from them about what business is like and what they expect to happen. And so we held a series of Zoom meetings. Everybody's familiar with Zoom or WebEx or you name the platform anymore. Uh, with members, we didn't know whether members would sign up for these meetings. We ended up having hundreds of participants. Uh, generally, I would say in the Southeast, Southwest, Northeast, Northwest, and Central Iowa regions. And um, the, the meetings were, the meeting, it was terrific to see to see folks.
0: What sort of things were you able to convey that the organization was doing whether in the normal course of affairs, things you might have reported on, had there been a conference, and, and some initiatives that, that ABI has had to undertake in light of the global pandemic and the economic shutdown.
1: Well, we kind of addressed several things. And the first, we we talked about uh, what ABI's focus had been since the pandemic hit. And, and for Iowa, that's sort of mid March, as you know. And our focus had really been on two things, as our members wanted help to take care of their employees. So first, We helped them uh, keep their employees safe. We connected members with uh, personal protective equipment, uh, dealt with other things, provided policy information on the kinds of things that would help them uh, take care of their employees. And then second, for those employers who were forced into having layoffs and that sort of thing, we wanted to make sure they knew about uh, unemployment insurance in Iowa, how their employees could take advantage of that because those dollars are paid by employers. And uh, they wanted to make sure their employees were taken care of. So that was our first thing. And then we kind of pivoted to making sure uh, we were taking care of members when it came to supply chain issues. Perhaps somebody had a vendor in a state that was under lockdown or was uh, doing business with a foreign country and couldn't get their products. And so they need those products to get their products uh, fully complete. And so we helped a couple members uh, deal with those sorts of issues. We helped members deal with financing issues and the Paycheck Protection Program, all those things. So that was kind of the... The first part of our meeting was making sure that members had the information and assistance they needed there.
0: What did you hear back from the members? Were there various themes or things that were surprising to you as they gave you feedback about how 2020 had been for them?
1: There was something surprising. That is, I was surprised by the optimism that members expressed. And again, not all of them, but primarily these were manufacturers. And uh, almost all of them had seen a decline in business as you would expect. Some were doing well, had no, had no loss, in fact, had gains year to year, but many had losses of, say, 10 to 15%. We had one uh, that was more like uh, 43%, so that's pretty drastic. But even those who had, had, had suffered pretty major declines shared information that led them to believe that the coming quarters would be pretty positive and that they expected an uptick, and that's, uh, that's the big thing. You want to make sure that there's uh, something in the pipeline to, to uh, make things better.
0: So they were verbalizing this earlier in June, just before you sent out the quarterly business survey. And the results of that were, I think, a bit surprising in terms of that optimistic note, correct?
1: You're 100% correct. I was very surprised. I was hopeful, but I was surprised by the strength that was exhibited in these numbers. We had something like 43% of the respondents expected sales to increase in the next quarter. A majority of the rest expected sales the, the quarter to be even. So that's pretty positive. But the number, the single biggest surprise to me was the number of folks that were planning significant major capital improvement projects this year. And that was something like 60%. And I thought, wow, that's a real number one testament to optimism. And two, it's a real investment in their business and thus an investment in Iowa. And if that doesn't uh, mean good things are ahead, I don't know what does. It, it was a big surprise and well-received surprise.
0: And I'm looking at the numbers now, and as you mentioned, by the time you add the respondents who say sales will expand or stay the same, certainly not a decrease, expand or stay the same, that's more than three-quarters of the respondents. Mm -hmm. When you look at the number of employees, these business owners said nearly two-thirds are going to have them stay the same. Some say it will grow, so again, we're beyond three-quarters. And then with the capital expenditures, these are folks who are here for the long haul, and this is far more than a speed bump, what happened in 2020, but they're not just sitting there uh, crying over lost revenue. They are aggressively taking steps, are they not, to position themselves and their employees going forward.
1: They are. When we uh, held these regional meetings, something that was talked about often was an increase in marketing dollars and that sort of thing. And and we tend to talk about operational issues like uh, supply chain or uh, hiring or uh, balance sheets and that sort of thing. We usually don't talk about marketing in our meetings. And sure enough, there was a lot of talk about marketing and the need to grow markets and the need to make sure that there were sales to be made. And, And that was interesting to see. And I'll bet that's a part of some of these numbers we see in the survey. So encouraging.
0: And again, these numbers, and and I find it interesting, the the capital expenditure numbers in particular. Statistically, I suppose someone would say, well, they're pretty consistent year to year or quarter to quarter. But it was on an increase from quarter two. And so we've got the pandemic at least first wave, hopefully only wave into the rearview mirror. And that optimism level was greater. It was on the uptick. The trending was certainly in the right direction. Strong before, but,
1: but trending even stronger. You're right. And what's interesting about that is these are folks, and the survey, by the way, is anonymous, so we don't know who said it. Sometimes, you know, we can get a bunch of business people in the room, and gosh, they want to make sure they're optimistic with each other. But the survey is always anonymous, and so there's no reason they wouldn't be honest. These are folks that are pretty hard-boiled business people women and men who make tough decisions. And so if they didn't feel this way, they wouldn't say it. And if they felt like they couldn't make this expenditure, business was bad or their balance sheet was in trouble, they wouldn't do it. So again, we were, uh, I was surprised anyway and and greatly encouraged by that capital expenditure number for sure. I think the one thing the pandemic did as it pertains to hiring is it took the pressure off. There were a number of folks who said that they expected to uh, remain the same or even decrease their workforce in the coming quarters. But a majority of them are talking about adding. And so if you're a recent college graduate, I think the word is hang in there because hiring is going to be on the uptick again soon. And so that was something else that kind of came through, I thought.
0: Mike Ralston is president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. You can get more details about their quarterly survey online at iowaabi.org. Another quarterly survey was released this past week. The Iowa Business Council's new Economic Outlook Survey shows a slight index increase, up 3.75 points to 41.25, but still below 50, the level at which growth is indicated. One bright spot in the IBC survey, while half of their respondents said they had to impose layoffs or furloughs, 80% of those said they expected to rehire some or nearly all of that workforce, and 60% of those expect it to happen in less than nine months from now. Details about their survey online at iowabusinesscouncil.org. Still to come, advancing personal and professional success virtually. And how one municipal utility in Iowa was recently named the fastest provider of its kind in the country. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
1: As Iowa reopens for business, take time to support the stores that drive our state's economy. I'm Nicole Crane of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, inviting you to continue to safely patronize these businesses that provide jobs for your neighbors and revenue to grow our economy. It will take some work, but Iowans aren't shy about that. Learn more about Iowa's recovery at IowaABI.org.
2: The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.
0: We've told you before on this program about Leadership Iowa University, the Iowa Association of Business and Industry Foundation's Opportunities Awareness Program. It connects Iowa college seniors, recent college graduates, and interns with tools for personal and professional success. The program will be held from August 10th through the 13th, but it was announced this past week that LIU this year will be done virtually. The agenda includes four half-day sessions, discussions and workshops on topics ranging from applying personal strengths to visualizing success as young professionals in Iowa and preparing for today's workplace generally. Leadership Iowa University was created a dozen years ago in response to the financial crisis at the time to provide support for young professionals at the time between college and career. Applications for this year's program are now being accepted. The deadline is July 24th or until the program is filled and in order to provide a meaningful experience LIU is limited to 20 to 30 participants. Now those who apply will be notified of their status and accepted on a rolling admission basis. The cost is $75 and you can apply online at leadershipiowauniversity.com. Not only can individuals apply on their own behalf, companies can apply in support of employees and interns. For more information, go to the website leadershipiowauniversity.com or send questions by email to foundation at iowaabi.org. Coming up, a first in Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org.
0: In this week's Business Profile, we'll introduce you to Cedar Falls Utilities, and umbrella for a collection of municipally owned companies. I talked this past week via Zoom with Steve Bernard, Cedar Falls Utilities General Manager, about another major upgrade to their broadband internet service.
3: Cedar Falls Utilities is organized as a municipal utility within the state of Iowa. So our primary charter is to serve the residents of Cedar Falls who are formed by the community. We're governed here locally by the community through a five-member board who are all residents and citizens of Cedar Falls. So our governance structure, of course, is much different than a private company. That allows us some nice benefits from a flexibility standpoint and the ability to make decisions here locally. And our shareholders are really our customers, so we're, we're not driven by quarterly results. We're able to take a long-term view of the business, uh, which has been helpful for us. The key factor here is it allows us to serve the community and make decisions based on what we think is, is best for our citizens.
0: And you mentioned the flexibility. In some respects, you would think a business, a traditional business, might be nimble enough and they can go do things. But anymore, it is much more complicated. It is easier for you to be able to report to your board, have these folks very focused on what it is that you're doing, and and have that one-on-one relationship with your customer base to know what they want, So again, the old school thought of businesses being nimble and anything that has any relationship to government being more complicated, that's really on its head these days, isn't it?
3: I think it is for us. And we've been careful over the years to not consider ourselves a monopolistic type organization, which historically maybe some utilities feel that way. You know, we operate electric, natural gas and water systems as well. And those are monopolistic by nature in terms of we're the only service provider available in Cedar falls for those services. The communications utility is much different in that we compete with other providers for broadband services, such as high-speed internet or point-to-point data services, as well as cable TV and telephone business. So those are very, very competitive businesses. And we've been careful over the years to make sure that we treat them as such, meaning we try to serve our customers properly. And it's not take it or leave it. Uh, we work with our customers very closely. And the fact that we are local has really served us well. If there's if there's an issue here in Cedar Falls, it's local people that are dealing with it, all the way to myself or our board members, depending on the issue, get very much involved with our customers. We got into this business in the mid-90s. Part of that was, uh, the, at the time, the incumbent providers, both cable TV at the time and telephone were not uh, really interested in upgrading their system here locally and providing high-speed type services. So there were some visionary folks in the community at that time that decided, you know, maybe we should just do this ourselves as a community. And we were one of the first municipals to take that step. And it went to a voter referendum, passed overwhelmingly, and then Cedar Falls Utilities was charged to be the one to build and operate the network. And it has been a competitive process all along and still is today. And I think that's good for the community. I think that's good for us. I think it's good for our competitor um, that, that there is that competition It makes us all be a little better at what we do. And we think that having a balance of municipal entities providing these kind of services as well as private entities provides a nice competitive balance. And, and I think it's worked out well for our community and others throughout the state. You
0: have the fiber through town. According to PC Magazine, you're the fastest ISP Internet service provider in the country. What does it take to get from the vision of 20 years ago of starting this up to getting to the point where a half dozen years ago or so you had a president come to town and visit? To where now you're the fastest in the country with 10 gigabit internet service, something that, that was just fanciful a few years ago.
3: Yeah, for starters, I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun to work for an organization and in a community that's recognized nationally and to some degree internationally for the type of service we have here that is really, can match up with the fastest in the world. So with us, it started again back in the mid 90s. Our first broadband internet service was four megabits per second. At that time, that was lightning fast and it was on all the time. If you remember those days, we were used to dial up modems and you got maybe 250K speed if you were lucky. So four megabits or 4,000K was really, really fast. And, you know, fast forward over the years, we built up a really, really loyal and large customer base where we had 90% of the customers in town connected with our service. That provided us the financial revenue and the wherewithal to, in 2010, take that step to upgrade to the next level of service, which was putting fiber in throughout town. Prior to that, it was a hybrid system of fiber and some coaxial cable. In 2010 through about 2013, we rebuilt the whole system with fiber everywhere in town. And that has almost limitless capacity and at that time in 2013 we introduced one gig service we were the first community in Iowa throughout the community to have one gigabit service available and here we are now a few years later announcing 10 gigabit using the same fiber that we put in the ground uh, you know starting 10 years ago and upgrading the equipment on the ends to allow faster and faster speeds and And this probably won't be the end of it right In a few more years I hope we're doing another interview talking about whatever the next iteration is of speeds because Our idea is to try to stay ahead of our customers, get out of their way, provide no bottlenecks for them, and let them create, let them figure out what they can do with this high-speed capacity.
0: Broadband speeds are sort of the story of haves and have-nots. Because, for example, I live in a rural area. The definition of what broadband is is actually not that much faster than the fastest dial-up used to be. And so you can say you have broadband in an area but it's still pretty clunky. But if I were inside your trade zone, if I were inside the city of Cedar Falls, I would have this amazing speed. From a societal standpoint, how does one bridge that gap? Is there a way that this gets bridged where, for example, entities like yours branch out to either a sister community or a rural area?
3: It's difficult when you get into rural areas because of population density, quite frankly, because it is a capital intensive business still to build the fiber to physically build the assets into rural areas where the customer density isn't that great. And in fact, in the rural area around Cedar Falls, we've built fiber out to some areas where there's, where there's dense neighborhoods, but we also serve a wireless system for much of our other rural customers and while it's a much better service than they had prior to that, they were relying really earlier on satellite internet services which are, not, which are typically not very reliable. This is, is a much better solution for them with, through our wireless, but it's nowhere near the capacity, the speeds and the reliability that our fiber system is. So it's a challenge to think about rural areas to get to this level. Now, there are a number of rural cooperatives and so forth that also have the capability and have put in some fiber in communities around Iowa. I think that's a positive step, but I suspect even those to build into really rural areas where there's low density is a struggle and is a challenge. So quite frankly, without probably some subsidies, it's pretty difficult from a business perspective to make that work. And we are running a business. You know, We're not subsidized in our case at all by the government or by our electric utility customers or by any taxation. Our business is standalone, paid for by the subscribers of our system. That's a challenge, but you're right, there is, there is a, a disconnect and a difference around what's available.
0: This has to be a big help for economic development and attracting business to Cedar Falls. But I have to ask, you're the fastest internet service provider in the country with 10 gigabit per second service. Is there much demand for that? Are you that far ahead of the needs of customers that there aren't that many people taking advantage of it yet?
3: You know, we're, we're really far ahead of the average customer's needs. Our typical speed for internet, our base speed now is 250 megabits per second, which is still astronomically fast and more than most homeowners need. So 10,000 obviously is well beyond 250, but you will have what you might call power users, whether that's a residential customer or business customers that will grow into this 10 gigabit per second need over a period of years. Same thing happened again with 1 gigabit per second. When we introduced that, I thought, boy, you know, who really needs that? Well, now we've got over a 1,000 customers that are on that type of service, and it'll be a few years, but we will have the 10 gigabit per second need out there as well.
0: Steve Bernard, General Manager of Cedar Falls Utilities. Again, CFU has recently been recognized by PC Magazine as the fastest Internet service provider in the country. Beating out many national names. More online at cfu.net. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, how to tell your business's story and have the audience believe what you're saying. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the people you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at IowaABI.org.